Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Dr. McGee graduated from Stanford University with a degree in biology with distinction, and he received his MD from Stanford University and completed a residency in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, including a chief residency in patient psychiatry. He has directed several treatment programs, participated in government-funded outcome research, and has published in the areas of spirituality, addictions, and clinical treatment. He served for many years on the faculty of McLean University at Harvard Medical School, Boston. Dr. McGee is a board-certified in general psychiatry, addiction psychiatry, and psychosomatic medicine. He has extensive experience in addictions and treatment, and general adult psychiatry. Dr. McGee is the author of the award-winning book, The Joy of Recovery. He is also author of 101 Things You Need to Know If You're Addicted to Painkillers, and a forthcoming book entitled Heal the Hurt, 20 Ways to Ease Emotional Suffering. Dr. McGee has a private practice in San Luis Obispo, California, where he practices a combination of psychotherapy and psychopharmacology. He, his approach is eclectic. He includes psychospirituality interventions to complement biological, um, psychodynamic, interpersonal, and cognitive behavioral interventions. Well, welcome, Dr. McGee. Thank you. What is the most important factors in having a fantastic life? I think it's being present, I would say, is probably the most important factor. Yeah. Now, how does a person become present? You know, there's so much at us all the time. People multitask. They triple task. They do everything in such a way. How does a person stay in the now and be present? You know, I think it's a matter of intention. I think most of us with an untrained mind, our attention goes without our intention, attention and intention. And I think that, that really leading a fantastic life is leading a practice of presence, uh, which is being present is, is an act of intention. It's, it's, it's an act of will. It's deciding I am going to pay attention to this moment. And so I think it's the training of intention that leads to greater and greater presence during the day. That, that's important. How does a person train themselves in that respect, Dr. McGee? Tell us some of your secrets that you will teach people how to. Sure, sure. So I think, first of all, it's very good to start the morning um, with, with a, a period of silent solitude and stillness training with the breath as the primary anchor, anchor of attention. It can be other things. It could be a candle. It could be a, a, a mantra, a prayer. Um, uh, Eknath Warren likes to use the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi as a, as a mantra to repeat and focusing attention on that. But most people focus on their breath. And I have patients, for example, who just say they can't meditate at all. 
And what I do is I ask them, okay, now take a deep breath in and then focus on the breath as you're breathing in. And so they, they breathe in and they say, now breathe out. Okay, did you pay attention to that breath while you were breathing in and out? And they say, yes. Well, I say you just meditated because really meditation is just a very fancy word for just paying attention to one or more aspects of what's going on right now in the in the now in the moment. Um, so, if you can do one breath like that, then maybe expand it the next day to two breaths, and then maybe see if the next day you can get to three breaths. And and, and usually, if you know what happens is you have to normalize for people that the mind wanders, and as it wanders just to sort of when you note it and it could be five minutes 10 minutes 30 minutes later but when you do notice that the mind has wandered off just bring your attention gently back to your breath over and over and over again and that's where the the benefit of that practice comes so i think priming the day with a practice of stillness in the morning and then starting the day with an intention to, to check in and pay attention uh, especially with with mundane tasks they don't require a lot of thinking. It could be bathing, getting dressed, you know, eating breakfast in the morning, showering, going to the bathroom, driving to work. Uh, that's the next place when you really aren't thinking is not really, really required for beginners. That's a good place to start with the practicing presence. But it's, it's based on a decision. It's a decision to pay attention to the now. And, and I think once you make that decision and keep coming back to it over and over and over again, then you do see that that rewires the brain and, and eventually it changes the quality of your conscious experience. That's true. Uh, Jack Canfield, you probably know when he talks about several different ways of meditating and he talks uh, one is on, you can even meditate on the word hamburger if you want. And That's right. <laughs> have the same result. It, it does help if the, what you're meditating on has a bit of a sound quality to it because the sound quality to it makes the mind go into a slumber sort of state so that it can pay attention and the right sound waves come up, the right brain waves come up. And I think that that does help. Uh, listening to a song like Kumbaya does help because it, it just is a repetitive over and over and over again thing that seems to facilitate brains waves. What do you think about that? Oh, yes. I think sounds uh, and songs um, can be, especially when they have a, a regular rhythm and a tonality to them with a repetitive, repetitive quality can be very good as an anchor for the for focus of, of attention. Yeah. And the key there is really to focus attention. And, and that's the important thing. Now, let, let's turn the table a little bit. And in my book, The Secrets of Fantastic Life, the first chapter is on the, the word love and, and about love. How has the practice of love manifested itself in your life? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I think for me, um, you know, I grew up with what I call a love wound, as I think most of us have to varying degrees. And some of us have very severe love wounds where we feel just profoundly unlovable. And, and, and some of us can and have such a severe love wound that we feel self-hatred, feel broken and really inadequate. And um, I think that to really realize a life of love, there really has to be a healing of that love wound. And people have to see beyond 
the delusion of their unlovability to reconnect with their innate original goodness that was there before they experienced trauma and neglect in their lives. And I think you know, this to varying degrees, I think this is an issue for all of us. I mean, I think we live in a psychologically somewhat violent society with a lot of judging going on. And people take those judgments personally and then based on those judgments feel that they're not good enough or they don't have enough. So I think really healing that love wound opens, really liberates us to love and be loved. And, and in my own personal life, that, that healing uh, began probably for me about the age of 54. And, and, and I think the essence of it is to realize that that all of our old strategies that we use to feel lovable by either, in my case, I had an addiction to achievement, as you can see from my resume and my background. Um, I, I think we share that, uh, Dr. McGee. I, I've written 17 books, and during the pandemic, I wrote three bestsellers. So, uh, you know, this overachieving thing is something that is thrust upon us, and we're not, we don't feel fulfilled until we've overachieved. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and I think other people, you know, uh, uh, congratulations, by the way, on your books. That's wonderful. Yeah, you know, I'll have to, you'll have to tell me about, about those. Well, uh, being a guest in our show, I will send you a copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. It's something that we like to share with our people and uh, let people get the word out of there because the book I wrote was I think it was an act of healing in itself, but it really tells my story and goes into some depth on 13 golden pearls that we've discovered, and one of them being love. Yes, yes. Well, I think love is really, 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 really central. And, um, and so I, I think the other strategies that people have for healing their loved one include, you know, people pleasing and trying to uh, appease or please as a way of getting the good graces and affection of others. And so really to, 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 to develop a life of love and to really develop an attitude of, of unconditional deep reverence for yourself and for others, it really is important to be able to really attend to your own love wound with the attitude of, of being your own ideal parent. And we all have that capacity within us. And in my clinical practice, I use a number of heart-mind practices to help people to, to visualize and come up with a feeling of being bathed in, in their own loving, loving affection, unconditional loving affection. And, and you know, there's different kinds of compassion meditations, for example, uh, Tonglen is an example, benefactor meditations, wise divine source meditations that where visualization is an extremely powerful way of getting in touch with a loving presence that then we then incorporate and, and really uh, live with. And, and through these heart-mind practices and through the practice of attending, uh, I, have, I have a three-step practice uh, that I'll tell you about, Dr. Laika, called the three A's of awakening to love. And they are, the first is attending, which we talked about as the, as the foundation of a fantastic life is being present, practicing presence. So attending, and the second is appreciating, and the third is acting with love. And part of, that, of appreciating is really having a humble, reverent attitude 
towards reality, towards the experience of reality, uh, that, that this is sacred. This moment is holy and sacred. It is as it must and can only be. And it really allows with that kind of attitude, a transcendence of judgment. And, and that is really, really important because I think the biggest barrier to a life of love, to a fantastic life, if you will, is judgment. It's, it's the judgment that I am bad or you are bad or this is bad versus saying, you know, what I did was unhelpful, what you did was hurtful, uh, this is a painful situation. Those kinds of discernments are very helpful and useful, but the judgments that, that I am bad, you are bad, that really, really blocks love. So what, in my practice with my patients uh, and in my personal life, what I practice is what I call appreciative attending, appreciative attending. That is attending to the moment with a kind eye, an eye of a kind, curious investigator. And through this process, attending to our pain with kindness and care and compassion. Because if, if we start the day in stillness, the, the essence of pure, bare awareness is compassionate and loving. And so it's bringing that bare awareness, that, that consciousness, that bare essence of consciousness, and applying that, that, that sense of compassion and kindness to all of our experiences. And in that way, what I think happens is there's a, a transcendence of judgment. There's a way that we can see judgments and then in the light of our loving awareness for those judgments to fall away. And then we can see that we're in pain and we can show ourselves compassion. Or we can see that somebody, maybe we're annoyed or there's a judgment of somebody else and we can let that fall away. And then we find ourselves feeling more compassionate towards other people. So this is how we, we it really, it, it, if we do this practice, we don't have to do anything to love. I mean, love, an attitude of reverence naturally arises through the cultivation of loving awareness. And then the impulse to love arises naturally out of our reverence for life. So that's kind of how I, I see the practice working. Yeah, that's cool. You know, love is one of those amazing things. It's one of the few things that the more we give, the more we get. You know, that is one of the phenomenal things about it. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. It's a paradox, actually, because true love is given without expecting anything. It's not barter. It's not exchange. It's not a contract, right? Where if I have a patient who was very loving and generous with his ex-wife and his children when she was sick and took care of the three of them um, for about two weeks when his ex-wife was sick. And at the end of it, he, he was like really upset that she didn't show appreciation or gratitude. And, and as we worked through that, he was able to see that he had an expectation uh, that he would receive love in return for the love that he gave. Uh, so it was, it was, a, it was an unconscious contract that he had, sort of uh, put up for himself. But I, th I think really moving beyond that to just loving for love's sake alone, because it feels good to love, and then taking on the job of loving ourselves, showing ourselves appreciation and gratitude, then what comes to us, we can receive freely with an open hand, but not out of expectation. And it's not something that we take, it's something that we receive when offered. Um, so I think that, that that freedom, that free flowing of giving and receiving 
is is really one of the characteristics of what blossoms out of living a life of love. You're right. What are some of the barriers to love in our life? Oh, I think, you know, obviously from this this focus on presence, I think one of them is not being present, being lost in thought and getting caught up in in our own world and our own our own self-concerns, which which sometimes are are pretty, you know, sometimes are significant, but sometimes they're they're very small, like um, but but I think you unless you truly, truly, fully see another person. Uh, it's very difficult to then love them because when you're not present with another person, there that really blocks connection and intimacy with another person. And then the second barrier, I think, that is the biggest barrier that I mentioned earlier is, is judgment. I think judgment is probably the source of a lot of the hatred and othering of, of others that goes on in our world. Um, I think it's the source of war and exploitation and, and genocide and just the racism and uh, is in this process of judging other people to be bad or less than. That's absolutely true. And, uh, I, I, you know, along the way, all of us have been hurt by somebody and some people fairly significantly. How do you get your clients to forgive? Oh, that's really good. So, um, uh, yeah, I, sorry, for my next book, I've just written a long, a long section on that. Um, you know, I, I think that the 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 first thing is 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 again it, through my practice of appreciative attending, is to look very closely and deeply, deeply, for example, at our pain. And then to show ourselves the nurturing and love and care and kindness that we need to be able to, to endure and, and heal our pain and let go of our pain. But I think for the process of forgiving, it's a, it's a little complicated. There's many, many different factors, but I don't think forgiveness is something that you can just decide to do. I, I think it, it, it's like deciding to sleep. You, you can't just decide, oh, I'm going to go to sleep here in the next two seconds. You can't do that. You can't ego uh, sleep just the way that you can't ego forgiveness. You can lay down. You can turn off the light. You can make the room dark and quiet. Uh, you can maybe focus on your breathing. There are things you can do to cultivate the conditions for sleep to happen. And similarly, you can do things to cultivate the conditions for forgiveness to happen. And I think one of the things is to really deeply, deeply, deeply understand uh, both what you have done to harm other people, the causes and conditions that led you to harm other people, uh, the, 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 the lack of awareness, ignorance, if you will, um, any, any drives uh, of anger or hurt or, or selfishness that you are experiencing, but then to also understand the causes and conditions that drove other people to harm you. Because if and if you really look at it, if you had another person's genes and their upbringing and had been through all their sequence of life experiences and their trauma uh, and, and their you know, their brain, uh, you would very likely probably have done exactly as they did. Um, so I think when you deeply, deeply understand the roots of why somebody has hurt you, uh, then 
you can then that leads you know to really understanding that it came out of pain and ignorance and when you deeply understand another person's pain and ignorance deeply deeply understand it through attending then um then what arises naturally from understanding is compassion and then when compassion arises then what naturally arises from that is forgiveness so there's more to forgiveness but that would be a brief understanding compassion then forgiveness arises naturally from that oh that's good and, and i think it's important because i think that's all part of that healing process that love process without that i don't think we have that i think we all have to forgive somebody including ourselves for not doing the things that we should have done none of us do all the things that we were supposed to do we have sins of omission and we have sins of commission you know and yeah it's definitely something uh, we have to forgive ourselves and, and let ourselves grow as human beings yes 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 beautifully said it's true yes none of us are perfect and uh we're all just bozos on the bus trying to get by as best we know how. <laughs> yeah. Now, let, let's just, uh, we're getting, we've got about five minutes left, and I want to delve into one of the more significant ones, and that is how can our listeners take the next step in the healing process of their lives and their love wounds and create a fantastic life? Oh, good question. Well, I, I think, you know, one thing I'll, I'll put in a plug for is that um, I have a, a, a webinar that I do every week uh, on exactly this issue of healing the love wound and realizing a life of love and mastering the art of loving. And so if people want, they can go to my website, which is drmichaelmcgee.com, M-C-G-E-E, drmichaelmcgee.com, drmichaelmcgee.com, uh, or howtolove.com, either one. Um, and they can sign up for my webinar and if they enter the discount code AWAKENING, uh, they can get a free trial uh, uh, in terms of, of, of joining my, my monthly community. So I think that that's one way. There are many other ways. You want to find, uh, you know, therapy is if you have issues of significant trauma or neglect, psychotherapy is really, 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 really very helpful. Um, I know that for myself around some trauma that I went through, I went through recently a process of eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or EMDR treatment, which I found very, very helpful for my trauma. So I think that psychotherapy is very, very important. I think being involved in a spiritual community uh, can be very, very important. It could be a religious community that is very spiritual. Uh, some religious communities aren't very spiritual. So I think there, it's tricky there. If you get into a community that is really, you know, uh, centered around right and wrong, and and you're and getting back into that, you're good if you do this, and you're bad if you do do that, don't do that. Um, then then that that kind of a a dogma ridden, um, judgmental uh, community can be very harmful. But if it's the right kind of spiritual community, I think that that would be. Um, very, very helpful. Uh, for me and for my patients, it's the practicing of the three A's of awakening, this process that I teach that has really, uh, I mean, it's amazing, Dr. Like I, I, I could tell you so many clinical vignettes uh, from patients who have, have really healed their love wound and really blossomed into wonderful lives of love just through this, through this three-step process. So 
um, that would that would be what I would recommend. Yeah, that's cool. And um, you know, I'm sure Michael, we're going to uh, cross paths again, um, being in the same community about spiritual awakening and helping people get to fantastic lives. And uh, one thing I will be running is a seminar in October, if this COVID ever lifts enough that we can get people together in a room and do things together. Uh, the answer is uh, I plan to do that in in the Banff Springs Hotel, the Banff area where the mountains are a healing process in themselves. So I might want you to participate either virtually or in real for that. And I think it would be a good experience for you and a good experience for your listeners as well. So I would be honored. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you you very much. I'll get you the details on that because I think it would be very good and something that would be very nice. Um, How can people get in touch with you again, Dr. McGee? Uh, They can either go to howtolove.com or to drmichaelmcgee.com. And I encourage your listeners to uh, give a a trial of our um, weekly webinar. It's every Thursday from 5.30 to 7. It's an hour and a half um, every Thursday. That's Pacific Standard Time, 5.30 Pacific, Pacific Standard Time. To, to, get, to give this webinar a try and see what you think. Um, in signing up, uh, people can also get a daily love lesson. I've written hundreds and hundreds of love lessons that people can get in their email every day to help coach them and guide them in the process of creating a life of love. So, so I, I hope, that, hope that that can benefit your listeners. Excellent, Dr. McGee. Well, Dr. McGee, the time has flown and it has been a very useful uh, meeting for you and for me. I, I really enjoyed this and I wish you well and I hope you have a fantastic day. Oh, thank you very much. And I think you're booked to be on my show. So I look forward to having you on my show, How to Love Soon. I'm Dr. Alan Leica. Make sure you go to drellenleica.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Leica, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.